Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. In this country, the richest country in in the world, nobody should be going hungry. But yet and still, there are people going hungry. That's Shirley Adams, volunteer at the Giving Point Food Pantry in Zion, and one of many people, too many people, who have faced food insecurity since the COVID-19 pandemic began. All this week on Reset, we're examining why people are going hungry in Illinois and talking to folks working to solve the problem. It's the latest in our series, Closing the Gap, where we explore disparities in the Chicago area and solutions to those disparities. During this hunger crisis, women and children are getting hit particularly hard. Women face higher unemployment, and school closures mean many children are missing out on school-sponsored meals. In fact, the group Feeding America says one out of four children could face food insecurity by the end of this year. Yesterday, we heard from an expert about how COVID is widening the hunger gap in the state. Today, we hear from folks who deal with it and work to fight it on a daily basis. Joining us now is Jackie Kabir. She's the coordinator at New Life Covenant Southeast Food Pantry in Chicago's Grand Crossing neighborhood on the south side. New Life is known by its visitors as the Hugging Pantry. Jackie once faced food insecurity herself, and she says she knows the desperation people are feeling right now. Jackie, welcome to Reset. Thank you. Jackie, this series has been diving into the issue of food insecurity, but also we're going beyond the data points and hearing from the folks like yourself who are essentially on the front lines of this. So I want to start by asking you about your food pantry and the place it's had in in the Grand Crossing neighborhood. Actually, we're about to celebrate our seventh year anniversary there. Oh, congrats. Um, Thank you. And I've been with the food pantry almost four of those seven years. And we are pretty much a staple in the community. Everybody is like family to us in the area. They know us. They, you know, see us when we walk down the street. Or sometimes I run into clients in the neighborhood, you know, at the grocery store or at the post office. So we all know each other and are familiar with each other. Is that why New Life is known as the Hugging Pantry? Tell us the story behind that. (laughs) Actually, yes. Uh, I can tell you from both perspectives, as you alluded to. I actually came to the food pantry as a client of the food pantry. Yes, I attended the church, and I knew that we had a food pantry vaguely, but I didn't really know really anything about it. I had never been there. Through a series of circumstances, I lost my job. And within about 30 days, I was in a situation where I could no longer feed my family. I was praying one day and asked God, you know, what do I do? You know, I don't know what we're going to eat for dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. And he told me to go to the food pantry. And I'm thinking, what? And he says it again, go to the food pantry. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we do have a food pantry. And not only that, we're having a giveaway today. Because I heard it in the announcements. So I got up, got dressed, went to the food pantry. And uh, just as I had arrived, they told me that all of the food was gone and had no more food that particular day. So um, the food pantry coordinator at that time ran over to my car as I was getting back in my car. And she said, come back on Thursday. We'll have our regular distribution. You can get food then. I said, okay. Okay. 
which was the next day. So I came back, and I'm standing there in line with all of the other clients, you know, just watching them, you know, never thinking I would have ever been in this kind of situation, right. you know, kind of embarrassed about the whole thing, not knowing what to expect, never having done this ever before in my life, um, just praying, asking God, like, how did I get here? What did I do? You know, this is not what I envisioned for my life. And, you know, went into the food pantry for the first time, walked through the front door, registered. And the first person to greet you is a lady who is now 87 years old. Her name is Mama Gant. <laughs> and she gives everybody the biggest hug. Oh, wow. And then she, what she said to me was, you know, baby, it's going to be okay. Because I had tears in my eyes. Of course, like I said, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to be there. But I knew that this was a means to an end. So she said, you know, baby, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be like this always. You're going to get through this. Yeah. So after I, you know, walked past her, I went through the food pantry, got all my items. And by the time I got to the end of the line, about to go out the door, I saw the food pantry coordinator. And I stopped and I turned to her and I said, I want to come back. I want to volunteer. And she was like, sure, we're here every week. So you just come back next Thursday. And I've been at the food pantry ever since. And it was just like that, that simple. Wow, wow. Just like that. What I also want to make sure our listeners are hearing is you're a mother of three, right? So I'm a mother of three girls. You, you weren't just worrying about yourself. You're thinking, how am I going to provide for these children? Yes. I wasn't thinking about myself at all because as a parent, most parents know there are times when you don't have enough food to feed yourself. Oh, yes. So you're always making sure that your kids eat, even if you don't. So that day when I prayed and asked God, you know, what am I going to do? I was thinking about my kids. I wasn't thinking about myself. Even if I didn't have enough food, I wanted them to have enough. So, yes, it yeah. was about me feeding my family, not me feeding myself. And you talked about feeling embarrassed. Is there a stigma attached to food insecurity, you think, Jackie? And there very much is because... People think of it as something just for the underserved population or the poor people or homeless people. And I hear people say it all the time. I'm not homeless. I don't need to go to a food pantry. It's not about whether or not you have a roof over your head. It's whether or not you have enough money to feed your family. The way that you were received by Mama Gant, tell me how that affected you. It completely changed my life. Yeah. And Mama Gant wasn't the only person to um, hug me and welcome me. The whole place was filled with so much love and respect. The people there treat you like you're a person. They're still human beings. They still have feelings. They still deserve the best. They don't deserve less than that just because they no longer have a place to live or because they've lost their job. This is a temporary situation for them, and we treat them as such comfort them, show them love, show them the care that they need in order to get past this stage in their life in order to have something better. Yeah, that's Jackie Kabir. She's the coordinator at New Life Covenant Southeast Food Pantry in Chicago's Grand Crossing neighborhood. So inspiring. Jackie, thanks for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. I want to pull another voice into this conversation. April Harris, mother of two, she's also dealt with food insecurity during the pandemic. April, welcome to Reset. Yes, thank you so much for having me. God bless you guys. Oh, thank you so much for being here. April, you know, when times are as challenging as they've been this year, sometimes it's really just easier 
to take things day by day. So I really just want to start off this conversation by asking you, how is April today? Um, April today is, I feel the only word I can feel like saying is I'm in victory because we woke up this morning, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Praise God. So So we've been talking. I'm feeling, I'm feeling happy. No, that's great. That's great to hear. And and we've been talking, April, about food insecurity on this show. Can you talk to us about what that's looked like for you in your home? Of course, of course. I've been going to the food pantries for years. Um, and it, it, it's really funny because I used to be embarrassed. You know what I mean? I used to feel in the beginning, oh, my God, I'm not doing, am I doing everything I can for my family because I have to go to a food pantry? And in, and when you really think about it, you are. You are. Because when you're a parent, you'll do whatever you have to do to make sure your kids are fed. You know what I mean? The right yeah. way. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, for sure. So um, at one point I said, there's nothing to feel embarrassed about if I'm keeping food in my kids' bellies. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you just heard Jackie Kabir a few minutes ago. She said the same thing. She said she felt embarrassed the first time that she went to yeah. a pantry. And, and even now as a coordinator there, she says that she sees people every day come in and out of desperation, but they're also ashamed. Oh, definitely. And I and you know what? When I go to these lines at the food pantry still to this day, it's um, I come across people that feel that way, and I'm able to talk to them and, you know, lift them up. And that makes me feel good because... You know, I'm not ashamed to say this. Me and my family were homeless twice before we got permanent housing. Okay. So even when we were in the shelters, um, a lot of people think when you're in the shelters, oh, they feed you all this good, healthy, nutritious food. Mm-hmm. And what people fail to understand, that's not always the case. My kids got food poisoning twice mm. while we were in shelters. And so, I mean, these food pantries really help when they have fresh produce, when they have fresh vegetables and fruits and uh, sandwiches and stuff like that. It really does help. It really does. So, and like, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go continue, please. And then also I wanted to add was like, even though I'm getting food stamps, me and my husband, my husband has multiple sclerosis and he's epileptic. And I got two kids, so my husband really can't help me. So I go with my cart to the food pantry when we need food, and I just get food for my house. So, April, what do you want folks who are listening right now, who who hesitate to go to their local pantry, what do you want them to know? I want them to understand that you are not a failure. I want them to understand that there is nothing to be embarrassed about. You're getting food a, a legitimate way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you're, you're doing everything you can for your family. So I want people to take away from that. I want people to feel good about themselves, saying like, hey, I put my pride aside. I humbled myself. I got some food for my family to feed them so they can keep thriving. That's April Harris. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me, and God bless you guys. You too. Now, I want to turn to one last voice today on this topic. Food insecurity is a problem that goes beyond the city limits of Chicago, and it's one that impacts every suburb and county in Illinois. And few people know that as well as my next guest. Joining me now is Julie Yurko, CEO of the Northern Illinois Food Bank, which serves northern and western counties, including DuPage, DeKalb, Lake, and Grundy. Julie, welcome to Reset. Thank you so much. Now, 
we talk a lot about food insecurity in cities because that's where most people are and, and where a lot of the attention is. But in the suburbs, food insecurity is a real problem too, right? You know, sometimes it seems invisible. That's so true, Sasha Ann. And Northern Illinois Food Bank, we serve the suburban counties of Chicago going into the rural areas of Northern Illinois. And hunger is sadly not only an urban problem, it affects every county and every community in Illinois and quite frankly, across the country. And, you know, what we find is that so many of our neighbors in the suburbs, they're working families. During this pandemic, many of them have been furloughed, have reduced hours, they may have lost their jobs, and they're making very, very tough choices. They're going to the grocery store, and they have a very limited amount of money to spend, and so they're trying to stretch that dollar. And when you're having to choose between, am I going to buy you know, a, a beautiful bag of apples or some bananas for my kids, or am I going to stretch that dollar and buy a less nutritious, cheaper food item? you're often turning to buy that less nutritious item. And right. so that's why when we look at how can we provide the fresh produce, the cheese, the dairy, the eggs, right? Some of the meats, the, the lean meats, the chickens and the porks, we're doing that because we know those are really tough for our families to choose to buy right now when they just don't have enough. What suburbs or, or counties are you seeing get hit the hardest? Oh gosh, we're seeing it everywhere. We are seeing it everywhere. Um, we are about a 60, 63% increase in need across our suburban counties. Kendall County is our county that has the highest projected increase of food insecurity at 93%, wow. which is interesting, right? So that's some of the suburban sprawl that's going out into the southwest area. So lots of rural area. You don't think that you're going to have a doubling of food insecurity in those communities. And it's there and it's real and it's affecting our families. Mm -hmm. What changes have you seen since since the pandemic started, especially in terms of who is coming to your food pantries? You see everyone, right? We see everyone coming to us. I think about some moms that I have met recently, a mom, Martha, who was at our Elgin pop-up at Elgin Community College. And she was there with her son and she has multiple kids and they're all home. If you're a, a mom, you know this, right? All the kids have come yep. home and they're home all the time. Mine are home right now, fed. yep. <laughs> yeah, all the right there. They all wanna be fed all the time. Yes. And she was talking about how her resources just do not provide enough. And now that the kids aren't in school, they're not getting free and reduced lunch and breakfast and other services that she's having to provide all of that. And I'll be honest, Martha had a beautiful smile on her face and she was a super positive person. And I was so Aww. impressed with her and, and she was coming to get the help she needs. I also met a, another mom just to kind of show you the other side. Mm -hmm. And this was out in Rockford at one of our pop-up distributions. I'm a beautiful young mom and she had these three lovely children, young children, I'd say six and younger, one in the, you know, a baby car seat in the back of her minivan. And the kids, I was waving and hello to the kids and I turned and looked at the mom and her face was so sad. It was so just kind of just sad, right? Like really unhappy, yeah. scared, right? A little fearful. And I thanked her for being there. And I told her we were so glad she was there and all Aww. the right food they were going to get. Um, but the, the sadness and the shame and the fear we see too often. And that's what I would love your listeners to know, that if they are in need, we are here for them. And we are here to provide them with wonderful groceries and hopefully some love and hope. Yeah, that's a really powerful detail that you, you, you shared 
um, earlier as well, you know, explaining that food insecurity means kids might not have breakfast. Yes. One in six of our kids in the suburbs are facing hunger right now. One in six in the suburbs of Chicago. And I'm talking about Lake County, right? DuPage County, places that you don't think hunger and need would exist is absolutely there. And our kids are going to bed hungry. And we are doing everything we can to provide them with the nutrition that they need and deserve. Well, hearing you talk about this huge rise in need, it also makes me wonder if if pantries can meet the demand right now. What what do you need? And when I say you, I mean food banks and and food pantries. Like, what do you need right now, today? (laughs) Thank you for asking that question. Yeah. Um, Right now, we are providing 45 to 50% more meals than we did the same time last year. That's more than 300,000 meals to our families every day. Every day, more than 300,000 meals. Wow. Much of that food has come to us about 40% of that food through federal government programs. So there's, um, I'm not going to give you all the acronyms, but they are commodity programs coming out of the USDA, the Department of Agriculture, and those are coming to an end. Those are ending on December 31st, and we are talking with our elected officials, and we are asking them to please continue those programs. Um, That's a lot of food that's going to be missing. Um, So what we need right now is for folks to consider if they feel comfortable to reach out to their elected official and say, please remember that your neighbors are suffering and that they need some more food. And we'd like you to avoid this commodities cliff that is coming. We'd like you to renew some support for food going out to food banks. And finally, I just want to know, you know, thinking long term, thinking down the road, what's your estimation about, you know, what is going to be needed to curb food insecurity? For us, it's going to be, we're anticipating at least three years of increased distribution. So last year, we distributed 80 million meals. This year, we're on track to do 96 million meals. We're going to have to stay at that level, I believe, well into 2023 in order to make sure our neighbors have everything that they need. I think we need to continue as a society thinking bigger and broader, right? How do we provide jobs that are um, paying folks enough so that they don't have to come to food pantries? How do we address some of the larger issues of systemic racism um, and equity so that we can hopefully someday lower the need across all of our communities, including the suburbs of Chicago? But in the near term, I would just encourage your viewers three things. If you're able to join us and help us solve hunger, we would love to have you as a volunteer or as an investor into our work. And if you need help, Please call us. We have a hotline, 844-600-SNAP. We are open seven days a week. We will answer the call, and we will help you either get SNAP benefits so you can go grocery shopping at your favorite retailer and or direct you to one of our food distribution programs. That's Julie Yurko, CEO of the Northern Illinois Food Bank. Julie, thank you so much for not only the work you're doing, but for your time today. Thank you for having me. It was my absolute pleasure. And that's today's Reset and part two of our series, Closing the Gap, Food Insecurity. If you missed part one, you can go back and listen to yesterday's episode in your feed. And tomorrow on the show, who makes a profit off the hungry? 
the answer may surprise you. Tune in tomorrow for part three of our series where we dive into the hunger industrial complex in the U.S. And to hear more conversations like this around the important stories in Chicago and beyond, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. You'll get a fresh reset in your feed Monday through Friday and even some bonus podcasts on the weekend. And take one minute to give us a rating. It really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. If you need a break from the news, WBEZ's Nerd App Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.